Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Um, if you have a Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 5. you got a Bible, go with me to Mark chapter 5. And uh, Olivia is right here. Uh, I'm going to give this to Olivia. Uh, what I am doing is I'm printing uh, actual sermon notes every single week for the rest of the year. I don't know how long it will continue. Uh, so you can tra- track with the sermon if you want. If you did not get a copy of the sermon notes tonight and you want a copy of the sermon notes, uh, throw your hand up and Olivia will bring you a copy of the sermon notes if you want them. Um, but that being said, Mark chapter 5, we're starting a brand new series tonight called Step Into or Stepping Into the Kingdom. Uh, we're, we're using a book. I don't have the book actually with me. I should have brought the book with me. Uh, but we're kind of using a book called Stepping Into the Kingdom. And uh, we are, every single week, we're going to be using, yes, this book right here. Um, I would actually highly encourage you, um, if you don't have this book, to go on Amazon. I can help you if you really want me to help you find the link uh, to buy this book. This is a phenomenal book and there's so much scripture in it and like uh, great insight that will really help you gain traction in knowing what it means to follow Jesus. And so I'm just taking this book and every single week we are gonna be preaching or teaching the chapters out of this book. And so tonight I'm gonna teach and preach kind of with my own spin on it, chapters one and two in this book. And um, here, here, here's the goal tonight. The goal tonight is that we would leave here Number one, with an understanding of what God's kingdom is. Have you ever heard something a lot, of, a lot in church and like, you're like, yeah, but you don't actually know what it means? For me, that's always been like the kingdom of God. Hey, be, be at peace, brother. The kingdom's at hand. And I'm like, yeah, what does that mean though? What is the kingdom of God? I don't like this, but, but, but we say it, but we don't really know a lot of times. We're, I, want, I want to talk about tonight. What is the kingdom of God? And, and, and then here, here's what I want to do. I want tonight for us to leave here not only understanding what the kingdom is, but I actually want to challenge you tonight. Look at your neighbor who you may or may not be close to and say, I'm gonna, you're going to get challenged. Okay, and, and here, like, like, don't let this weird you out, but here's what, what I want to challenge you with, you, with, with, with tonight. I, I want to pose the question, not in a condemning way, but in a very inquisitive way, um, are... Are you and I actually followers of Jesus? Like, like not do, Halloween's coming up. By the way, Mario and Peach won. So Jenny and I at some point will be dressing up as Mario and Peach. Super Mario and Peach, we're going to super own it. But that being said, um, like, like, I don't mean just like, do you wear the Christian costume? I, I don't mean just like, do, do, do you have the name badge? I'm a Christian. But I want to pose the question, yeah, but, but, but if being a Christian or a Christ follower means stepping into or being a part of God's kingdom, is that actually transpiring in my life? Because I just think sometimes in church, we should do math. Like anybody besides me, you hate math. I hate math. But I think it would serve us well to do math and go, well, hold up. If this is what Jesus says the kingdom of God is, and if following him is an invitation into his kingdom, why am I not seeing that in my life? Because I just think that it would, it would serve us well if we did some simple math equations and go, hold up, hold up. I want to experience the fullness of what God's kingdom is. But if that's not my experience, the question must be asked, well, maybe I haven't actually stepped into 
God's kingdom. Mark chapter five, I'm gonna read you kind of a lot of scripture. It's a story. Maybe you've heard the story before. It's kind of a bizarre story. I think it's a pretty cool story. Um, But Mark chapter five, verse one, here's how it goes. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Guardians. I don't know why I can't pronounce that. And when he'd come out of the boat, Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Let me paint the picture for you. This man is butt naked. He looks like Tom Cruise, not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks from Castaway. Like he, he's, he's got long hair, beard. He's crazy looking. And we're going to find that in a minute, he's not just demon possessed, but a legion or a multitude of demons has possessed this man. Says then that his dwelling was among the tombs. He, he lived in a, in a graveyard and no one could bind him, not even with, with chains. Verse four. Because he'd often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame or control this man. Verse five. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. Now pause real quick. This does not mean that he ran and went, Hosanna, Hosanna. He, he, he ran and you didn't know how that range, did you, Garrett? That's what I'm talking about. He, he ran and he acknowledged, you are God, I, I am not. He ran and he worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Hold up, was, was Jesus in the business of tormenting people? No, but what had controlled and possessed this man was not himself, it was, it was a legion of demons. And so it's not this man talking, it is the demons within him saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, like what, what are you about to do to us? For he said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. Clean spirit. Then he asked him, what's your name? Again, he's talking to not the man, but the condition. He answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. I used to have a friend that lived on a street called Legion. And every time I went to his house, I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, I I would move, bro. Like, I don't know if you read Mark chapter five, but this is not a cool cool street to live on. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Verse, Verse 11. Now, a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them instead. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it to the whole city and the country. Then they went out to see what was happening. Verse 15 is where we'll conclude. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were all very afraid. Jesus gets out of the boat, and naked, crazy, demon-possessed, cast away, Tom Hanks comes running at him. And Jesus says, come out of this man, unclean spirit. Yeah, unclean spirit's like, hey, what, like we, like what, what do we got to do with you? And, and by the end of the story, we see a man who was severely tormented. A man who the Bible says that no no one and nothing could control him. He lived among the tombs day and night, crying and screaming 
in torment, cutting himself, mutilating his own body. And by the end of the story, this man is sitting clothed and in his right mind, completely free from what once afflicted him in bound him. If you're taking notes, I want to write this down. Title of the message I want to preach. If you have the sermon notes, uh, you already know this, but it's simply this. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. And um, I, I want to preach to you tonight that the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of God being at hand, what Jesus came to do is, is something that would change everything. Now, allow me for a minute. Let me pray. Let me ask God that he would really speak to our hearts tonight. And then I, I, I want to get into this and I really want to understand tonight. What does it mean when we say the kingdom is, is at hand? God, tonight, help us. Help us tonight. We want to know. We want to know and we want to hear from, from you. And so I pray that Holy Spirit, you would speak through me tonight. It wouldn't just be me sharing cool ideas or thoughts, but you would speak through me. And I pray that supernaturally for every single person in this room, that you would open their ears to hear you speaking to them and convincing them tonight that the kingdom of God is at hand. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Has anything ever happened to you before that changed everything? Like anything, uh, if your answer is no, I would ask you to reconsider because the answer to that could simply be 2020, COVID-19, like, right? Like COVID-19 happens and everything is different. Like, can you think of, of anything that's really the same since March? I, I can't think of a lot of things that are, stop it, Isaiah. I can't think of a lot of things that are like, yeah, like this, like, like nothing happened. It's the same. No, everything in our world and life for the most part has shifted and changed because of COVID-19. I, I remember when, 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 when we moved here, I was, grew up in, uh, in Los Angeles or East LA, and we moved here when I was 15, 16, and my whole world changed. Like, like this, is, this is the world that I grew up in. Um, I, I kid you not, in my ninth and 10th grade class, I could count on one hand the number of Caucasian people people that look like me that were in my class. They, they were, I, I remember because I, I grew up in East LA and like all of my friends uh, were of different races, different ethnicities. And I remember in, in ninth grade, it dawned on me. There's only three white people in my class. Crazy. And, and I'm, this, this true story, I asked my friend, I'm like, hey, um, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I said, hey, um, you, you guys, like, you always call me Huerito. What does that mean? And they're like, that means white boy. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty fitting nickname. But I say that because I remember moving here and my first day at Fort Mill High School, I, I remember my mom goes, how was school? And I was like, mom, there was so many white people there. <laughs> like, like it, and I'm like, it, it, it weirded me out. Like, I, like, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, this is, the, 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 I'm not from around here, obviously, um, like my whole world changed. Like everything shifted when we moved here. What, what we have to recognize about, about Jesus and about what Jesus came to do, Jesus came to change everything. Like this is not in my sermon notes, but ju just question. When you gave your life to Jesus, because you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to real quick just take inventory. How much of your life is different? How much of your life has changed because of Jesus. Be, because for a lot of people that claim to follow Jesus or wear the, 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 the name badge Christian, wear, wear the costume, well, not a whole lot has changed. Because we think about Christianity and we think about following Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's a change of perspective. 
I used to think about life like this, but now I think about life like, no, no, no. Salvation's not a change of perspective. Salvation's not just like, yeah, man, like it's change of priorities now because I used to sleep in and eat brunch on Sundays and now I watch church online. It's not, it's not a shift in priorities. Following Jesus is not a change of behavior only. Yeah, man, I used to totally kick puppies and uh, throw cats uh, off of my bunk bed. And um, no, I don't. It's like, no, that, that's not, that's not. <laughs> Pray for me. But, but, but Christianity is not, Christianity is death to life. The Bible teaches us that before Jesus, we were dead, disconnected, and lost. But Jesus came. You can look in, in the notes if you're taking them or if you have them. But in Matthew 3, 2 and Matthew 4, 17, I think it'll be on the screen. But Jesus comes, and this is the message Jesus preached. Jesus said, repent. Someone say repent. repent. I love the way Isaiah said it. Repent. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. This is Jesus. For this is he who has spoke, uh, verse 17. For that, uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. What was Jesus preaching when he was on earth? Jesus was not going around going, hey guys, welcome to the meeting. So pumped that you're here. Tonight, I want to give you five keys to take communion. It's like, no, he, the, the over emphasis, the, the message Jesus preached was repent, which by the way, it, it, it just means turn. Repent doesn't mean like, like, like feel bad or feel sorry. Repent, it literally just means turn. It, it literally means just, you're going this way and just his primary message was, hey, turn. You, you're thinking, you're going, you're living this, you're, you're walking this way, but turn for now the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to read you this definition. What the heck is the kingdom of God, Brandon? God as king. The kingdom of God is God's authority, his right to rule based on his might, power, and glory. It is the realm of God's rule as the one and only true God. If you were to come to my house, you would be under my rules. I, I have no problem kicking someone out of my house. I got no problem going, listen, man. Actually, my wife has kicked a lot of people out of my house. I used to invite people over to watch basketball games kind of late at night. And I had this one friend. Do you have a friend that's just loud? And they don't even know they're loud? And it'd be like midnight and my wife and my kids are sleeping. And he'd be like, whoa! Like, dude, you're going to get us all killed. But because, hey, you're in my house, bro. And my house, you're now under my rule and my, my, my rules. It's no different if you were to go to another country. It doesn't matter that you're an American. Like, you're now in another country under the rules and the rule of new authority. This is the kingdom of God. It is the rule and the rules of God because God is, is God. Yeah, but like, what, like, what, what does that like, like, like mean? Though? It, it, it means that... That when God's kingdom has come, what God says, what, what God has declared and ordered and set in motion, that is the new law. Now, now Brandon, how, like, how does that affect me? What, what do you mean by that? Well, let's do a quick little Bible history lesson. Do, do you remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, they ate 
the unorganic apple, sin entered the world. And, 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 and catch this, from the moment that sin entered the world, the, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they, they gave their dominion. See, because if, if you do a little Bible history lesson, you will read that God created man in his image and he gave to you and I the dominion or the rule on, on this earth. But the moment sin entered, what we did is we said, yeah, actually, he, I'm, I'm going to give the keys to you. And from that point forward, this world that we live in, do you know why the world we live in is broken? Why we, the world we live in is full of hurt and pain and things that are unfair and things that don't make sense and things that are not just because we live in a world that has been infected by sin. We, we, we talked about this last week, but the Bible says the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. There is no neutral. There, there is no neutral. The whole world is under the persuasion of the evil one. And, and thus why we read Mark chapter five. Be, because here, here's what Mark chapter five is. Mark chapter five is a great picture of what our life is like without the kingdom of God being present. Oh, Brandon, I don't, I haven't, ran around naked in graveyards lately. That's not like, I don't, that's not my, I, I don't, th th this man, I think represents you and I more than we would give him credit for, more than we'd like to admit, because this man was tormented. This man was controlled. This man was, was afflicted by, by something that he, he couldn't fix. Have, have, have you ever felt Depressed, maybe just pressed. You ever felt weight, anxiety, insecurity, fear? You, you have, have any sin? Things that you're like, man, I know I shouldn't give in to this temptation. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I, I just can't break the cycle. And every time I do, I feel so bad and I feel so condemned. I just can't. This man represents humanity. This man represents every single one of us without, without the kingdom of God being present because, because we're all without him, without Jesus. We were, we were, we were just singing it. We were, were slaves. We're slaves to sin. We're slaves to insecurity. We're slaves to fear. We're, 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 we're slaves to these things. And here's, here, here's the whole mission. Here's the point of God's kingdom. God said, I so love these people, humanity, that I will send my son Jesus. And what Jesus will do is Jesus, he, he will live a perfect life. Like, just let that sink in for a second. Jesus came in for 33 years. He lived a life of perfection. Why? Because the only way that he could be the, the, the full payment for our sin was to be sinless himself. And so we, we read in the Old Testament that in order to make payment for sin, they would have to sacrifice a spotless lamb. Hey, don't, don't bring me the speckled one, bro. Don't bring me a lamb with freckles. God said it's got to be a spotless one. And so Jesus came and he became the spotless sacrifice, the perfect one that had the ability to take our sin upon himself because he himself had no sin. See, because if Jesus had sin then when he died on the cross, he'd be paying the penalty for his sin, but he had no sin. So when he gave himself as the 
the propitiation or the, or, or the placement for our sin. He could take our sin upon his shoulders because, because he was spotless. And Jesus spent three days in hell, the Bible teaches us, completely disarming, completely dominating, completely un, undoing all that Satan had in his favor. And the Bible says that he was raised on the third day victoriously. And because Jesus died, was buried and rose in victory, death, hell, and the grave has forever been defeated by the finished work of Jesus. This is what Jesus meant. What, what Jesus meant is, hey guys, the bully, not in charge anymore. Turn repent, f follow in my ways for the kingdom, my rule, my authority is at, is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Mark chapter five is a representation for you and I of what happened when the kingdom of God stepped onto the shore of humanity. Here's this man broken, lost. I, he, he's, he's tormented, he and, and Jesus steps onto the shore. And in one word, in one moment, in one instance, this man is completely free. This past Monday night, Evelyn uh, was, was playing her soccer game. And um, <clears throat> this, uh, th this kid in her team, uh, I don't know if you have a friend like this or if you've ever been on a sports team with a kid like this. He has um, zero athletic ability. Can, can I get a witness in the church? This guy, he's got, and when I, when I say zero, I mean zero. He's got none. But, but here's what this dude's got working in his favor. He's a big kid. Th this kid, like, he, he's just twice the size of all, of all the other kids. And I, I swear to you, on, on Monday night, like, his, his parents, they're, they're, they cheer for him so hard. Like, come on, you can do it, Henry. Go, Henry. Go, Henry. And then they're looking at each other like, he, he actually can't do it. I don't like, he, he can't. You can do it, Henry. He can't, though. Like, he can't, he can't do it. Go, Henry. And so his dad on Monday, his dad started going, attack the ball, attack the ball. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of watching him. And Henry goes, and he runs and he just like a linebacker, he just tackles this kid. <laughs> Boom. And this kid's wiped out. This kid's twice his size. And his dad's like, what are you doing? And Henry gets up and he goes, you said tackle him. I said attack the ball. Oh, I thought you said tackle. Don't tackle, but, but, but this, is, this is the kingdom of God. What did Jesus mean when he said, hey, repent, turn? The kingdom of God is at hand. What he was saying is my kingdom is being established on this earth and no longer does the bully, does sin, does darkness have the right to reign and rule. No, I am forever putting that to an end. I've tackled, I've defeated that. And now you can walk in freedom and fullness of life. Like what would it, can you imagine what would it be like on the inside to be free from that thing that keeps holding you down? What would it be like on the inside to not feel the weight anymore of that anxiety, that depression, that confusion? What would it be like to, to not be bound by the sin that has you, has you handcuffed? Okay, well, like, what, what do you mean the kingdom of God like, is it hand? Like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't see that. Uh, read with me or look at Luke 17, 20 through 21, because I want you to see this. 
There's a bunch of religious leaders, a bunch of people, maybe a lot like you and Einstein. They're like, ah, uh, excuse me, Jesus, can, can you explain this a little further? Um, we, don't, we, we don't see a kingdom. And this is what he says. Jesus goes, oh, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to them, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. It's not something you're going to be able to tangibly see, nor Will they say, see here, see there, look, it's here, the kingdom of God, but rather the kingdom of God is within you. Here's the tricky thing about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is right now, but not yet. The, the kingdom of God, someone say right now, but not yet. Say right now, not yet. When will the kingdom of God fully be established? The kingdom of God will fully be established in tangible, visible form when those clouds part and Jesus comes back and, and once and for all wipes the slate clean and brings judgment upon sin and death once and for all. And you and I are welcomed into eternity, our home with him. In, 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 in such an obvious way, we'll be able to go, whoa, yeah. The kingdom of God, the reign, the rule, the final authority of God. Yeah, it's right here. But, but it's not yet. And, and yet it's right now because the kingdom of God, Jesus says, it doesn't come with observation. You're, you're not going to be like in a, in, on a Wednesday night or at a camp or a conference and be like, wait a minute. I think I just saw it. Hey, I just, I just saw the kingdom. No, that was the fog machine. That was the hazer. That wasn't the, ah, oh, I thought it was the kingdom. Dang, I was like, man, this bridge is dope. That guitar solo is so good. The kingdom, that's the hazer. But Jesus says the kingdom of God, no, it's within you. God's, and, and, and hear me, please, please get this. The kingdom of God can only be established in your life when in your heart, someone say heart. You, you, you receive the reign and the rule of God as, as the one who reigns and rules. Question, and then we're going to move on to my three points and we're going to be done very quickly. But who rules in your heart right now? Is it you or is it him? Let, let, let's just be honest. For a lot of us tonight, we, we can give the Sunday school answer. It's king, it's Jesus, it's God, but, but let's just be real. Who, who dominates and dictates your worldview, perspective, and your decisions? It's me. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's basically always primarily, it's, it's me. How, how come I'm not experiencing the power and the freedom that Jesus offers? Be, because you're still the boss. How come the kingdom of God hasn't been established in my life and these things that Jesus wants to make me free of, I'm not free of because you're still the boss. And as long as you're the boss, his kingdom is not established in your heart. As long as you're in control and you're calling the shots, he's not, he's not reigning and ruling. So how is it that, that we step into the kingdom? I'll give you three thoughts really quickly. Number one, write this down. You must be born again. You have to give your heart and give your life to Jesus. I am born again, Brandon. Okay. Who can tell? Valid question, I think. Because every time I read the Bible, when people get saved, their life changes. When people get saved, everyone around them goes, this, 
this, like this, this is a, there's a story in the Old Testament, Saul, Saul, uh, or, uh, the, the, the King Saul, like he couldn't get saved yet because Jesus hadn't come, but it's the equivalent of it. The spirit of God comes upon him and the Bible says he's walking on a road and all these people that know him are like, what, what happened to King Saul? Like what happened to Saul? He's, he's changed. Bible says God gave Saul a new heart. It was changed. I'm a Christian. Cool. Question. Just like pr- pretty good one, I think. Can, can anybody else tell? I heard someone ask this question. They said, great, you're saved. That's amazing. Let me ask you a question. Can you tell me when it happened? What was different? And who can verify that? I... I think if salvation really is this life-changing, transformative experience that I, I gave my heart to Jesus and I committed to follow him, you, you, you'd probably remember when that was. And you'd probably be able to point to some things. Man, I, I used to be like this, but not anymore. Man, I, I used to crave this kind of life, but now I'm... And there's probably people around you that, that could tell. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, he, they were way different, but now they're... So can I ask you a question tonight? Have you fully stepped into the kingdom of God by giving? Did you know that you're not saved because you were born in church? You're not a Christian because your parents are Christians. Salvation comes when you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord. And you make a decision to say, Jesus, I fully commit my life to follow you and to give you everything I have. Number two, jot this down. You step into kingdom, the kingdom through being water baptized. Have you been baptized? It's a great question. What is baptism? baptism? Baptism is the public declaration of your decision to follow Jesus. The public declaration that my old life is dead and I've been raised to new life in Christ. Have you been baptized? Ah, sounds like, no, it's not legalistic. We're just teaching Bible tonight. The Bible says you want to step into God's kingdom. Well, you have to be born again and you have to be baptized. And here, here's my, my, my third point for you. And we're going to close. Kimberly, if you want to come play, that'd be amazing to help me, help me bring this to a close. But write this down, point number three. You must be, someone say must be. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say, give him five more minutes. Five more minutes, five more minutes. All right, eyes and ears right here. Eyes and ears right here. Every eye, every ear. Acts chapter one, I want to read it from my Bible. I don't know why, I just feel like it's more spiritual. Um, but Acts chapter one, I want to read, read you verse, verse four. It says this, and being assembled, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, someone say wait, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. That's a big deal. Like that, that's what John was preaching, that you gotta turn and you gotta give your life to Jesus and enter into God's kingdom and be baptized and make a public declaration. I have decided to follow Jesus. He says, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, by show of hands, eyes and ears up here, by show of hands. Who in this room has physically walked 
with Jesus. Nobody. But he's talking to, to a group of people that did. I would think if anybody was qualified to like, I don't know, follow in his footsteps, it'd be the dudes that spent three years, literally every waking moment of their life for three years walking with him. If anybody had faith to believe, I, I think it'd be the guys that for three years saw all the miracles. What about the dude Peter that actually walked on water for a minute? How different would your life be if you were there when, when Lazarus is dead? Like he's, he's gone. He is walking dead. Zombie is over. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come on, bro. Stop playing. Let's go. And you see a dead man get up. How, how different would your perspective be about Jesus and your faith in him be if you were there when people that had no limbs had limbs grow out? You saw all the miracles. You heard all the sermons. T to me, they sound more qualified than, than me. Yet still, what, what did Jesus say? Y'all ain't ready. You're not ready. You're not, you're not ready. I'm about to leave. I'm about to go. You're not ready. What, what do you mean we're not ready? You're not ready because the only way I was able to live and to do is because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. So don't go anywhere, but wait for the promise of the Father. Listen to this, verse 8, Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. Someone say power. Say it like you're Hulk Hogan. Say power. Power. You'll receive empowerment when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of, of the earth. Um, do you know why you cannot, let me just all eyes and ears right here. Do you know why you cannot beat that, that thing that keeps hold, holding you back? You have no power. Do you know why you don't have a passion to spend time with Jesus? Because you got no power. Do you know why you feel like you're going through the motions a lot of times? Because you have no power. Jesus goes, guys, 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 guys. You grew up in church. Like you grew up in this thing. You walk with me. But do not, do not, do not, do not think you can do this without the supernatural help of my Holy Spirit. So here, here's my question tonight, and we're gonna pray and we're gonna bring it to a close right here. Got, I got, got four questions for you, okay? These are rhetorical, but, but I really do want them to sink in. Question number one, do you, do you want to experience the power of God's kingdom? Do you want to experience the rule and the reign of Jesus in every area of your life that there is no devil in hell? There's no, there's no thought, there's no mental disorder, there's no depression. There is nothing that can even touch you because the rule and the reign of Jesus has been established. Are you, are you hungry like I am to step into the kingdom of God? To, to go from this man in Mark chapter 5 who was bound to the one sitting clothed in his right mind like, man, I'm free. I do. Here's my second question for you. Have you been saved? Yeah, I grew up in church. No, no, no. I don't care where you grew up. Have you been saved? Yeah, man. I went to encounter every year before COVID. Cool, now my question, have you been saved? Have you, 
have you in your heart made a decision to say, Jesus, you are the Lord and I will follow you. Question number, number three, have, have you been baptized? Have, have, have you been baptized in water and made that public declaration? And number three, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the supernatural power and the Spirit of God that gives you the ability to walk in full freedom from everything? We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.